0: If I can ask the children to come up front for the children's message. All right, lovely. All right, and go ahead and have your seat here on the steps. As you may remember whoopsie. as you may remember, we are walking through the Nicene Creed. Do you know what the Nicene Creed is? It's a profession of faith, isn't it? We say it every Sunday. It's important to profess profess our faith. I believe that when we profess our faith and we do it thankfully and in repentance and faith, that God in some way pours goodness into our heart. He gives us strength. We are strengthened by the grace of God in Christ Jesus when we profess our faith. And so let us profess our faith together. Repeat after me. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. You see, after Jesus rose from the grave, he spent time with his followers. He told them that he was going to go to be with his father and that he would send them a helper. Do you know who the helper was? God, the Holy Spirit. That's right. And after that, Jesus went up into heaven to be with the father Jesus promised that he would come back one day, but that only God the Father knows the day and the hour that he would come back. When Jesus comes back, the kingdom of God will be complete. We will have a new heaven and we will have a new earth that will come together into a wonderful world. God's kingdom is totally perfect. There will be no tears. There will be no pain. There will be no death, and God's people will experience real and unending life together. Now, won't that be nice? So let us say this one more time. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. Well done. Good job. All right, go ahead and go back to your seats now. I hope that you too find yourself learning something to, during these children's messages. So I invite you to open up your Bibles to or the order of service to the epistle reading. Second Timothy chapter two verses one to fifteen. You may remember that I preached last week on the first chapter. And so I am it is my intent, I should say, to preach through the epistle in the next couple weeks. I see this as a wonderful opportunity. To serve as your shepherd. This, in fact, is a letter that Paul writes to Timothy, who is a bishop, who is a pastor. And there is much pastoral instruction here, but there is also a pastoral vision here that I hope for us to garner. And the question that I must ask at the very outset is how do we pass on the truth of God's word? Last week, we looked at nurturing this gift of God. We looked at not neglecting this gift of God. This week, we look at passing this gift of God on. And what I find, if I can just give you a sneak peek before we dig into this passage, we pass on the truth of God's Word by being made strong. By the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we pass on the truth of God's word by suffering as good soldier, a good soldier, athlete and farmer in Christ Jesus. We pass on the truth of God's word by thinking and reflecting on the apostles teaching. And we pass on the truth of God's word by serving God and his flock. And while this is a letter that is undeniably written for Timothy, it is also a letter that has consistently been read in God's church. This is not just for the pastor, this passing on of God's word, it is for his church. So, what are the practical lessons that we should draw from this passage? First, notice in verses 1 to 6 how dedication, obedience, and hard work properly passes on the truth of God's Word. Dedication, obedience, and hard work. While no one can deny that anything less than this is required, much more is still required. And when when we read this, In Paul's words, he says, You then, my child. The first four words that he says are filled with love. You see, immediately, Paul begins with this hinge-like phrase, You then, my child. He begins with this hinge-like phrase that swings him from the pain of his rejection and betrayal that we read of in verse 15 of the previous chapter, to his love of a faithful spiritual son and gospel partner. You then, my child. Paul is not just concerned with articulating a message, but that Timothy will receive it. There is love and there is purpose here he's interested that he will receive it you see the preservation of the gospel must always accompany love if we be interested in the salvation of souls then we must love those souls if we be a missional church then we must love those who we are seeking to minister to and if the ministry of the word be fruitful then it must be faithful to the Lord of the Gospel. It must be done in love. God is love. And He's manifested this in that Christ has died for us. You see, the first thing that we learn about passing on the truth of God's Word is that it must be preserved and transmitted in and through love. So I ask, are we filled with that love? Is your heart longing and yearning for God and His people? You heard the summary of the law at the start of the service. Christ says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Are you filled with love? Just as we cannot expect to know God if we do not love God, so can we not expect to faithfully pass on the gift of God if we do not love those for whom we are entrusting it to. You see how Paul is passing on the gift? His words are not empty. They are filled with love and purpose, he is preparing Timothy's heart to receive this gift. Whose heart are you preparing? Is it that family member? That friend? That neighbor? I encourage you to be intentional in preparing someone's heart to receive this gift of God. It's not simply my task. It is your task too. The second thing that we must learn about passing on the truth of God's Word is that we must be truly strengthened in Christ to do so. Now look at verse 1. He goes on, he he says, you then, my child. And he goes on by saying, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we pass on? By being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul told Timothy in chapter one to guard what has been committed to him by the Holy Spirit. And he now tells him to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You cannot become strong through laziness. Timothy must shake off laziness, and God's church must shake off laziness. Timothy must practice dedication, discipline, and obedience, and hard work. And God's church must practice this too. Even those with great gifts, they are not exempt from slacking off. They, too, are prone to slacking off and becoming lazy. We are prone to this. So let our hearts be encouraged daily and regularly. Let the gospel always be before us. If we wish to be strong and to last, if we wish to transmit the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, then we need to regularly be encouraged by the love that is in Christ Jesus. Just as Paul told Timothy to not neglect in nurturing the gift of God, he now tells Timothy to not neglect in cooperating with the grace of God. How profound. What a privilege we have to cooperate in this grace, this gift. And by the way, the word gift and grace are very similar in Greek. And here we see this doctrine emerge of free will. And the doctrine of free will and the popular notion of free will are two very different things. One is centered upon the grace of God and the other is centered upon the will of man. You may remember that Martin Luther wrote bondage of the Will." You see, our reformed and our apostolic view of free will is not this secular popular notion. It is that our wills have been in bondage and in chained. But through the grace of God, our wills are freed. We are enabled and empowered to live in liberty. And this is what Paul says. He says... He says, there is freedom in God, in Galatians. And Jesus says, for he who the Son sets free is free indeed. He describes God as free in Galatians, in chapter, chapter 5. Why is God obliged to some moral obligation, freedom, liberty? No. This is the very nature of who God is. It's the character of who he is. And because he is free through the pouring out of his grace upon us, we are made free and enabled. So this doctrine of free will, we see this in our Anglican tradition in Article 10 of the 39 Articles of Religion, It states that we have no power to do good works, pleasant and acceptable to God. You see how we are strengthened by grace in Christ Jesus? It is by this grace that we are made free. Child of God, such a mystery is our union and our cooperation with God. Yet it's fundamentally clear that we have no power to do good works, pleasant and acceptable to God, without the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now look at how we are strengthened. It is nothing, it is in nothing else but in Christ. Later in the service, we will sing that famous hymn of our day, In Christ Alone. And as we sing this hymn, know that we are singing the good news of our Lord and Savior. We are singing about the birth. We are singing about the life. We are singing about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are singing about our life and about our love in Him too. At the end of each stanza, notice what we sing. We will sing, Here in the love of Christ I stand. Here in the death of Christ I stand. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Christian, do you see how we are centered on Christ? On him alone and how our faith is inherently cooperative? The grace of God must stir our faith and strengthen our resolve. We must hear it daily. We must it must be poured out into our hearts regularly. And if you do not know of this Savior and Lord that I speak of, but you wish to make to, to know him, make this song your prayer. Witness your heart being filled with joy and satisfaction. Listen to the practical wisdom that Paul provides for being strengthened by the grace of God and passing on the truth of God's gift. In verse two, he says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Church, it's by the hearing, hearing, excuse me, that our faith is strengthened. Why? So that we might be able to entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach also. There are several examples of this relationship between hearing and faith throughout the scriptures. Hearing with faith, in fact, is what Paul says two times over in Galatians chapter three. Hearing with faith. If we wish to pass on the gift of God, we must hear the gift of God. And not just from the preacher, but from God's church. whether it's hearing it in the pulpit or as I would say in the Navy, in the peeways, the hallways, we must hear the Word of God. Just as Timothy and Paul heard and saw, it says that they, he witnessed this, we are to hear and we are to see and we are to entrust to faithful people of God. May we be strengthened by grace so that we might entrust others with the ministry of the word. We must hear and see and and trust. Now look with me at verses 3 to 6. We are to pass on the truth of God's word. By what? By suffering too. And to convey this notion, Paul gives three symbols to help us to grasp the usefulness of suffering for Christ's sake. First, it is like that of a good soldier, he tells us in verse 4. A good soldier is dedicated and concentrated on his commander's intent. Good soldiers do not get caught up in civilian pursuits like that of wealth. Gaining wealth or popularity or being in the political discussion. They know their place. They know their role. They know their function, and we must be like them. We would do well to remember our commander's mission. What is his intent, and what must we do to fulfill it? If we wish to be good soldiers, then we must know what is our mission. Yes, there is suffering attributed to the gospel ministry because it requires single-mindedness. It requires dedication like that of a good soldier. Whether preacher or parishioner, no one is who, who is a Christian is given allowance to be anything less than that of a good, dedicated soldier. The second symbol that Paul gives us is that of an athlete. And we find here the usefulness of suffering for Christ's sake is like that of an athlete in verse 5. If an athlete is to stand even a chance in winning the competition, he or she must conduct their self, according to the rules. You see, an athlete must abide and obey by the rules of the game. There are some who just view law and rules in a negative light. And this is certainly a danger for those who have received such powerful grace, undeserved favor. Oftentimes we overlook the importance of law and rules and abiding by these. But here we find how important this is for living out the call and to passing on this gift of God. We must be like an athlete who abides and obeys the rules of the game. There's no shortcut in running the race, you see. We are to not just live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. We are to be faithful if we wish to gain the reward. We cannot become disqualified, you see, just like that of a a runner running in a race who doesn't follow the rules. Just as an athlete cannot win the prize if he does not obey the rules, so will we not receive the reward if we not suffer through obedience. Third, the usefulness of suffering for Christ's sake is like that of a hardworking farmer. This is the third symbol that Paul gives us. Hard work is indispensable for a good farmer. Successful farming depends as much on sweat as it does on skill. And Steve, I know you know this, coming from a farming family. It's hard work. We live in a day and age that has mechanized tools and instruments. But it is still hard work. Unlike the soldier and the athlete, the farmer's life is far from all glamour of peril and applause it is routine isn't it mundane yet it is most significant it is the hard working farmer who is the first to share in the crop Not the grocer, not the consumer, but the one who toils, the one who tills, the one who plants, the one who harvests. Though there is hard work, though there is much suffering, there is a speedy satisfaction for the one who works hard for Christ's sake, like that of a farmer. So we must be like a good soldier, like a good athlete, like a good farmer, hardworking farmer, if we wish to receive the reward. The second lesson that we should learn is how it is by thinking and reflecting upon the apostles' teaching that the Lord gives understanding. We, We see this in verses 7 to 13. In verse 7, Paul says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Then Paul recounts the good news of Christ and testifies that Christ has conquered the grave in verse 8. Then he says that Christ has fulfilled the prophecy immediately following, talking about the offspring of David. And then in verses 9 to 13, he redefines his situation, doesn't he? Now, there are some who suppose that a Christian must not be a thinker if he is to live in faith and in the Spirit. But this is not what we see here, is it? Not only are we told explicitly to think so that we understand, we are also given an example by Paul himself of what this looks like. We are to think so that we understand. You see, the issue is not as much in thinking, but what we are thinking about. Are we considering the state of our souls? Or are we slacking off? Are we becoming lazy? Is the gospel ever before us? Do we see it as what it is, good news? Do we see God as the good one? You might say, yes, I I did that 10 years ago. I did that 20 years ago. I did that 30 years ago. I considered the state of my soul. You must do it daily and regularly. The gospel must ever be before us. If you did it once truly, then you must do it continually. There is no one and done. There is no understanding, there is no assurance, there is no strength in Christ when we do not cooperate with God and His grace daily. We are to think on what the Apostle has told us. We are to wait on the Lord to give us understanding We are to commit ourselves to this task. We must seriously consider this gift of God that has been given to us. And notice how Paul does this. He remembers, doesn't he? He remembers the significance of Christ's work. He remembers the prophecy for which Christ fulfilled as being the offspring of David. And he applies it. He applies it to his current situation and suffering doesn't. Remember, Paul is imprisoned and this is his final letter. He knows that death is nearing. He says this in chapter 4. Do you see his moment of clarity in verse 9? With this negative conjunction. He says, For I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal. But the Word of God is not bound. Suddenly it becomes clear. His situation is redefined. He understands and proceeds with a profession of faith, doesn't he? In verse 10. Followed by praise and thanksgiving and the trustworthy promises in verses 11 to 13. In all of this, this, there is a practical lesson to be gleaned. Initially, Paul's words might seem patronizing to Timothy, Timothy, of all people, his faithful spiritual son. He says, remember Jesus Christ. That might initially sound patronizing, right? To this one who has been so loyal, who he considers a spiritual son. How could Timothy forget of all people? Yet, aren't humankind notoriously fickle? Aren't humankind notoriously forgetful? shortly after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea and witnessed God's mighty work, they forgot and started grumbling and complaining. It is no small endeavor to commit to thinking and to remembering God's goodness. And this is what is required if we are to pass on this good news to others. If there is ever a time to put on our Christian spectacles, it is now. We cannot rely upon our education We cannot rely upon our politics. We cannot rely upon what is socially acceptable. We must commit ourselves to the task of thinking Christianly and waiting patiently for the Lord to give understanding. And when we do, our hearts will be strengthened by grace in Christ Jesus with praise and thanksgiving. You see, it is at this juncture that Paul shows Timothy what His service to the flock is. It's a service to God Himself. And this is our final lesson that we are to learn. You see, the passing of the truth of God's Word is not just a ministry of Word to the flock. It's a ministry to God. With understanding and in praise and thanksgiving, Paul gives Timothy a pastoral charge to remind the flock of these things. What things? The passing on of the true apostolic teaching. Through strength by grace in Christ Jesus. Through dedication, obedience, and hardworking, and suffering. Through thinking and reflecting on this teaching and through serving God and His flock. There are many distractions, not the least of which is dividing and hurting each other with words over secondary issues. In other words, dying on the wrong hills. Paul reminds Timothy of how such quarrels only ruin hearers. With these words, Paul transports us, you see, he transports the reader and the hearer to the love and the purpose that was discovered in those first four words in verse one. Now, then, my child, you see the passing on of the apostolic teaching of the gift of God is to always to be done in love. So beware that we not divide over secondary issues, but that we focus on the gospel. And now with verse 15 before us, we see clearly that the motive of Paul's heart is actually to transcend Timothy. He's not selling a message to Timothy, as one might do, who has an agenda. No, he is... Presenting himself before God, that is what Timothy is doing, or Paul is doing. He's presenting himself before God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And this is the charge to Timothy. He charges Timothy to serve the flock by serving God. The single most important thing that will make one successful in God's eyes, is worship. If we could just worship God in spirit and truth, a pastor, parishioner, and worshiper like that will surely live out this unashamed courage of the gospel. He or she will rightly handle the word of truth. Literally, this Phrase rightly handling the word of truth literally means cut straight through. Do not divide over secondary issues. Cut straight through to the gospel. Rightly handle the word of truth. Enable the flock to stay on the straight path. There is much work to be done. There is much that we should receive and give. But let us not only be like a good soldier and good athlete and good farmer who shows dedication, obedience, and hard work, let us also be like an offering. Let us worship. Let us offer an offering that was first given to us in Christ and now given by us in Christ to the Father. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.